A disclaimer, this episode covers some topics that may be potentially triggering for you. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only, and the concepts discussed throughout this podcast have not been fact-checked. If you're experiencing difficult circumstances in your life that you're struggling with, please see a mental health professional. Okay, uh, welcome to Unhinged, episode two. Um, I'm Tessa. Um, I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Queensland, um, and I study. I'm in experimental psychology. Um, I study like things that affect our memory and attention, and and things like that. Um, I kind of hate explaining my research, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, like it's it's all right. It, it's, it's it's fine. It's sometimes hard to explain. Yeah, but I don't explain my research at all. That's why, like, I just refer to myself as a psych. I'm just like, this is. I'm just a psych. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I'm Lyra. And uh, as I just said, uh, I'm a provisional psych uh, and I'm finishing my PhD in uh, clinical psychology. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Um, and I think that this is something we've all experienced to a certain degree, whether it's uh, being nervous for a speech or something more extreme like a panic attack, unfortunately. And it's important to kind of, I think, clarify that anxiety is, it's a beast, right? It's huge. It's huge. It's a massive, like, umbrella term. It is. That has, there's so many anxiety disorders within what you yes. call anxiety. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's there's a really big spectrum um, of anxiety disorders and anxiety is at the heart of other disorders as yeah. well. So, so it's really complicated. And, and I think for the purposes of this podcast, we're not going to dive too deep into the technicalities of different anxiety disorders. I think we're going to just discuss what what we can relate to and what you guys can relate to the most so i think that that's like for us like performance anxiety performance anxiety workplace anxiety yeah um stress work-related stress and like procrastination and procrastination is from anxiety so we'll like i think that's you know yeah yeah definitely the most definitely and in that university and workplace there's also that idea of of perfectionism anxiety and like Type A, as you call it, imposter syndrome, yeah. right? So, so there is a lot to cover. I'm sure that there'll be a sprinkle of motherhood in there because for those of you who are in your like late twenties and, and yeah. do potentially have a child, because that's something that gives me anxiety on the regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's stuff that we can like relate to, and and again, like you know, there, there's just so much with anxiety. So we're not going to possibly cover it all with today's podcasts, but hope with today's podcast, but like, um, hopefully we can at least talk about anxiety, where it comes from, mm. why we have that, why it's so common mm. amongst people in our genre of yes. people, work, yes. workplace, young, young people in their twenties, um, like who are young professionals and like why that is, mm-hmm. why it's so common. And then some strategies on how, like, we manage it at least and what might be helpful for everyone else. Yeah. Maybe. Well, this is the thing, right, is um, anxiety is seen as more of, like, a millennial term uh, or, like, a real Gen Z term. Yeah, yeah. It it wasn't really something that was spoken about at least you know back in back in our parents days or our grandparents days and to the point where they would you know neglect their emotions completely and now we know that that's really bad (laughs) yeah or if like um you know more old school terms to describe maybe yeah (laughs) like nervous breakdown 
the nervous um, breakdown and yes. then even going further a little bit further backwards maybe like hysteria you know you can go into the yes. history of psychology yep. and like the history of like mental health terms mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. but yeah again it was really is a big one neuroses, too. Yeah, yeah, like it wasn't, and they were considered super, super, super serious. Like, oh, you're crazy. Like this is like, yeah. like you need to be like heavily medicated and put into a psych ward. Yes, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like if you, you know, um, reach to like this breaking point and can't handle it. And now I, I don't know. Like I mean, the, that was probably when people were having nervous breakdowns. There could have been a number of things going on there. Definitely. But, it, but I think you know we don't have to see anxiety anymore as some like terrifying scary thing that we can't talk about <laughs> yeah because so much of the population experiences anxiety at least at one point in their life absolutely um yeah but do you think like in terms of giving a speech or something like there's obviously anxiety going through your body there's, yeah. there's a degree like of anxiety and adrenaline like back then it was referred to as nerves it what we didn't nerves. even have yeah. the term anxiety yeah yeah it, you like, say anxiety you'd just be or like yeah feeling nervous yeah or, yeah um yeah but now it's now the term anxiety i feel like people are a lot more comfortable with it yes um which yes. is in some ways a good thing yeah, yeah in some ways it's blurred the lines between what we would consider like anxiety or like you said full-blown panic yeah um yeah. so yeah there's i guess going back to it like anxiety is uh, there's there's Maybe we, we're still in this process of developing jargon to describe mm-hmm. all of the different feelings within anxiety. Yeah. Correctly. But yeah. I, I definitely think so. Like, I think that we're in an era where we're either over-pathologizing or uh, yeah. <laughs> we've, gone, we've gone from under-pathologizing, we've gone from neglecting mental health needs mm-hmm. altogether, and now we've kind of extended into this area of... Like, lab- like we spoke about in the last episode, labeling everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when a label is not an necessary. Over- yeah. <laughs> or like an overdiagnosis. So, uh, yeah, I think anxiety is definitely one of those things. But in saying that, if you think that you're experiencing anxiety um, and it's really bothering you in your everyday life, then please see a mental health professional. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about anxiety, we're talking about that feeling of like, uh, like total discomfort within your own body, mm. your heart's racing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just feel like you want to, there's a sudden urge to either avoid a situation <laughs> or like, it's just like a, a bit of a panic button. It's kind of like things you start to breathe differently. Like you yeah, might start shallow yeah. breathing, you might start to sweat, you might start to tremble a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a real adrenaline rush. And the thing is with anxiety is that like that in of itself is like a completely adaptive mechanism that humans have had mm-hmm. for the history of humankind. Yeah. So like, and it keeps us safe, right? The, the idea of anxiety is that you are faced with a threat in your immediate environment. Say, I don't know, a bear is coming to attack you. Yeah. And then your body decides, okay, because oh, you're an organism, you need to stay alive, right? Your brain doesn't care about making you happy. It cares about keeping you alive. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, or at least some parts of your brain do. Um, so anyway, we'll, we can get to that. But like, yeah, so you're faced with an immediate threat. You need to make a decision. Do you run away? can you fight the bear? Mm-hmm. So this is what we call like a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and then what's, I guess that, that has kept humans alive since forever. Right. So we have to be able to deal with threats. If you had no anxiety at all, well, the bear would just eat you. Would just, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't make any moves. Like who cares? Like yeah. you know, so organisms have to survive. And this is how we learn to survive. 
Um, so anxiety really is like, a, I guess, in, in the way we experience it now, you know, we're not, um, when you live in the modern world, in, in, in a fast-paced, you know, technologically driven world, the stresses that we experience aren't like they were in prehistoric times. Yeah. They're a lot more... They're a lot. They're not necessarily threatening to your life, but they can be threatening to like you know your your financial income or maybe it's your um, status as a person. Like you know, mm-hmm. so things that stress us out now are things like oh, I need to like you know, like public speaking. Yeah, I need to yeah. do this speech or something like that, and I know that I have to do it. But what if I what if I mess up? What if I don't um, do it properly? What if I say something stupid? And then it's you get this feeling of anxiety, right? That's dangerous. You don't want to do that because it's an immediate threat to you in like a different way, not to your life, yeah, but yeah. to maybe how people view you, which is scary. And and so yeah, it's a completely yeah. normal feeling, basically. But yeah, I feel like we haven't evolved yet because we our world's changed so much. Yeah, yeah, um, very quickly. And the the stresses that we have now are so different that we, our brains haven't caught up with like how to deal with those in the most effective yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like anxiety is like an adaptive evolutionary response that we have developed in order to keep us safe from a bear, yeah. for example, right. or yeah. like out in the savannah in a line. But the problem is, is that you need to be kept alive uh, from a bear maybe <laughs> once or twice a week. Depending on the environment that you're in when you're a caveman, right? Right. Whereas uh, now, those uh, alarms go off every single time you get an email. Every single time you get a a social media notification, right? So So, because that impacts, yeah, it impacts your status in a certain way. You perceive that notification to mean something to you. And so, uh, yeah, it just kind of sets alarm bells off in your brain, which is why... It's so problematic and your brain hasn't evolved to deal with those responses um, appropriately. And it's not your brain's fault. It's how we've evolved. It's how the mankind or womankind, whatever, <laughs> has, has evolved to deal with things. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For, for more of, like, a, like, I guess, like, like, a clinical perspective of the way that we kind of explain anxiety, um, to people is I think that this is particularly useful if you're watching this podcast but if you're just listening in I'm gonna try and explain it the best way I can so you have like your if you like put your hand up right and you have your forearm and your forearm is like your brain stem the very first part of your brain that develops is kind of the the base the base of your your wrist slash the base of your thumb and that part is kind of called the um, the amygdala right or the evolutionary brain and when you fold over so if you place your hand and you place your thumb to your palm and then you fold over your four fingers over your hand those four fingers that you've rolled over is is the cortex so that's the rest of your brain it's responsible for more higher thinking purposes but this central bit of like the base of your thumb is called the amygdala um now the amygdala first developed uh like it, it was the first thing to develop in yeah. humans this is like so, an older part of your brain yes this is the oldest part of your brain it's your it's also called your reptilian brain in yeah. psychology right yeah. and it's responsible for keeping you alive 
so that fight or flight response, yep. or freezing completely. So if your brain decides that you can't fight and you can't fly, <laughs> you can't fight or you can't, or can't fly. Fly away. <laughs> right. <laughs> freezes completely right. and that's a more complex response and we see that response in a lot of people who have had trauma for example right. like they completely disassociate uh, from a particular situation because yeah. it, it's just what they've learned to be the more safer mechanism yeah or yeah, yeah. say you're like in a fight and you've chosen to fight but then you're getting beaten up <laughs> and your brain kind of just again shuts off and that freeze response kicks in yep. because okay. it, your brain is trying to keep you safe and the safest thing to do is dissociate let the fight happen right. and then kind and of hopefully we reboot later yeah hopefully we reboot later exactly right. so it, it's kind of like it's that so reset well, shutdown button just so intensely traumatizing that it's better to just not be there exactly wow yeah and, and once yeah. again it's an adaptive response yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and when you think about it like that you know, I guess like when I first started experiencing anxiety as like, I mean, probably like a, yeah, as a child, mm -hmm. it's like, you don't really know what's going on. You don't have the language yet. You don't know what the hell's going on with your, uh, brain. You don't, you don't have the lexicon or the like capacity to understand <laughs> what anxiety is. You just know something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Your body's just telling you something's wrong. And like, you, you're trying to look for the scary bear. You're trying to look for evidence and like, yeah, yeah. you don't, um, yeah, like, uh, and, and so I think, and as I grew up into, like, a teenager, it can become very, like, debilitating because like, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. There's something mm -hmm. wrong with me. There's, like, I, I, the, this isn't normal. You're watching everybody else be calm. Yeah. So, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, okay, you're feeling the bear there. Mm -hmm. Okay, the bear isn't there. You can't see the bear. You can't pinpoint what's wrong. And everyone around you seems to be fine. So what the hell's going on? But yeah. I guess when we when we understand like the mechanisms of anxiety, it can be very calming in a way. Well, it was reassuring for me at least to be like, oh, this is like my my brain trying to protect me. It's doing it incorrectly because it's misreading the environment mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then like sending me like the wrong signals to be yeah. like, it's time to panic, it's time to blah, blah, blah. Um, it thinks there's a bear there. But it is trying to protect me and there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not crazy. I'm not like... You know, I'm not flawed. It's just yes. like this yeah. hyperactivity of like, like you said, like the amygdala, like that, that emotional part of my mm -hmm. brain that mm -hmm. is like, ding, 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 danger, danger, danger. When really, while like the stresses I'm experiencing are stressful, what's more adaptive for me is to like not avoid them or run away. Yeah. I need to actually yeah. face the, my work. The things that stress me out now, like um, public speaking meetings, um, assignments, papers, yeah, you know, those yeah, sorts of things. Yeah. You actually have to keep going and doing them. But like you said, the higher order part of your brain that does the, like the complex thinking, it's like, I guess in a battle with that emotional party brain, yeah. it's like, we need to get these assignments done. And mm -hmm. then your amygdala is like, no, it's terrifying. It's going to kill you. Yeah. And so you're yeah. in this like state of, of, of uh, back and forth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's like, um, I'm going to just add on to that and say that there's, there's this thing where th when you're amygdala, so that evolutionary reptilian part of your brain that, um, sends out signals of anxiety is overactive. It talks to the other part of your brain. It's actually at the very front. That's responsible for all your kind of higher thinking, higher order thinking processes. Mm -hmm. And, the amygdala essentially shuts off that part of the brain. Why? Well, because 
in a dangerous situation, you can't be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. You can't be thinking about what you're going to write your assignment about. You have to be thinking about fighting or or running away. Yeah. So yeah. so it, or when the, your amygdala is overactive, that other part of your brain is underactive. On yeah. the other hand, and the way that you can begin to kind of manage your anxiety is is through that higher order thinking part of your brain. So if you can tap into that brain what happens is when the voice of the higher order brain becomes louder than the voice of the amygdala it essentially lessens the anxiety it lessens the um yeah. the activity of the amygdala well, like, does that make sense yeah so like your that 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 part of your brain that's like run away like avoid like danger 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 yeah becomes more quiet because you you're reassuring it that it's actually like no the environment's safe yeah everything's yeah. cool i just need to like look at this assignment i just need to work on it it's not gonna kill me it's not gonna, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be all right like I, and, and the best way to get through it and then the more you look at the monster the yeah. thing that is setting off this because yeah the more you avoid it the more your brain can go see it is worth avoiding yeah it is worth avoiding it's terrifying once you look at it you know, depending on whatever is stressing you out, say you have to write an assignment and it's freaking you out because you don't know anything. You look at the monster and you realize, and then that's showing your brain, like, look at it. It's not a bear. It's not going to attack us. Yeah. It's actually all right. And then the, then, then slowly but surely that will like, I mean, it's not going to be easy straight away. And it doesn't usually, I mean, like no one likes doing assignments. That's never going to be like a fun part of our <laughs> existence or like doing work is not like, you know, but, but you can get it to a manageable state where you're yeah. no longer just so inhibited and can't look at the things you need to do. Yeah, so exactly. You, you know, because you can decrease the the rate at which that amygdala is like absolutely pumping and yeah. saying danger, 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 because there is no danger, right? There yeah. is no danger when it comes to like, you know, it's understandable where the stress comes from because we've got a lot more stress on mm -hmm. those sorts of performance things for, for, for us. And if you're a student, you know, you, you would understand like the – the stakes are high. Yeah. Um, but that threat response, that, oh, my, run away, avoid, don't look at it, it's going to kill you, That's you, you can appreciate how that's the wrong response, right? Yeah. It's your brain thinking there's a bear. It's just it hasn't – we haven't evolved yet to catch up with the modern-day stresses that mm -hmm. we deal with, so we need, mm -hmm. we need different strategies, right? Um, it just needs to be reassured that everything is safe, that yeah. everything is calm. And so when you have the two parts of your brain, so that anxiety uh, versus that that angel or that higher order thinking, the there is like a a kind of balance between the two that can function um, really well to the point where you do have that optimal area of performance, and that is when the anxiety is little. It gets you out of your bed in the morning. It tells you you need right. to do this. Right. Um, you need to do this and it drives you to actually to actually do things like an assignment or like talking to someone that you've got to talk to but you're afraid to talk to yeah uh stuff like that so, right. so there is mobilizing yeah exactly going, yeah. exactly so like over time i'm not someone who's ever suffered from an anxiety disorder i want to clarify that but over time um what i have uh sort of appreciated in my own brain and in my own life is um, to appreciate anxiety and ride mm. that wave and really kind of enjoy that when I do have anxiety that that means that I need to do something and that 
kind of my anxiety is is helping me absolutely. to approach that task absolutely rather yeah. than rather than avoiding that task altogether um i don't know if that makes sense or if that no. sounds kind of convoluted no no, but no that makes perfect sense because you're right you need a little bit of anxiety or because again if you had none yeah human like if humans wouldn't do the great things humans do exactly right you wouldn't like you, you yeah you'd be dead if you didn't have an amygdala right you just, <laughs> exactly so you just um so it does make sense because what what i've learned i mean i've, I've had it is that you know when i've experienced anxiety um to the point where it inhibits so anxiety is a problem when it stops you from doing day-to-day stuff that's when yes. it's like that's what i would consider like okay you're no longer achieving you're actually inhibited and mm-hmm. you're just like i can't do it or you know yeah you're having such an intense reaction that like it is impossible for mm-hmm. you to move forward that's when it's like a big problem yeah right yeah. but what what you're talking about is like you know and and what i found as i've been able to manage my own anxiety and get it under control is that i'm able to experience what you're experiencing it's like that that anxiety doesn't just disappear no. it doesn't i'm not i wouldn't describe me as cool calm and collected ever um but <laughs> what it has done is it's taken me like it's like an engine being over revved right it's taken me out of the red Right? Yes, yeah. and it's put me back into a place where like the car's still running I can now go and I have enough anxiety that's like gotta get this stuff done you know like <laughs> I'm on my toes and I can still get a little bit jittery but yeah. like I'm moving in in this one direction I'm not inhibited um, whereas previously I had been so unbelievably stressed that I couldn't do anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's when it's that's when anxiety is like you know that's an anxiety disorder there's a problem there and if it's like prolonged and you meet several other criteria i guess that's when it becomes like an anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. yeah so that so when you have a degree of functional impairment that significantly impacts your ability to perform in like workplaces or social situations totally um, yeah occupational domains yeah sorts of things but um but, but, you know, if you feel like you suffer from that, like, functional impairment, like, deep anxiety, um, the, like, just know that, like, you can manage it. Like, it, it is possible. And go and see, like, a medical um, uh, professional mm. or a psychologist because it is it, – it, it's just – that part of your brain is screaming so loudly. But if you – it is absolutely possible to mm. be able to manage your anxiety. Mm. And I can't even tell you how much relief it is to – like finally feel like I understand my own brain I understand how it works I understand I have a very overactive amygdala and that's okay yeah but I know how to like work with it now Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. that has given me so much um yeah relief so it is possible so if you do feel like that you relate to some of this content like that you know so stressed that you freeze up and you don't you can't approach any of your work then go and go and see someone because it's absolutely worth it mm-hmm. but anyway i just want yeah. to add that in there yeah no definitely it, it is manageable i mean i've never suffered from an anxiety disorder but i've seen many people in my life clinically and just friends and family yeah. suffer from anxiety and yeah it, it is i think of it as a really long process to get to the other side oh, and yeah. learn to manage it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and that idea of kind of like learning to ride the wave of anxiety totally. when you approach it, it's hard. But there is there is an end, there not an is. end point, but a uh, the other side. Yeah, yeah. it can be unbelievably satisfying to be able to ride, like you said, ride the wave of your anxiety when I'm like, oh, I know what's happening in my own brain and I yeah. can like, 
use it to propel me forward. Like that is so liberating yeah. and it is so unbelievably cool mm-hmm. when you get to that point. Again, it's like, and then, I mean, you know, I still don't think I understand anxiety even a little bit, you know, after yeah. like, you know, having it from like a huge portion of my life, most of my life seeing several different psychologists and then like also having a psych degree I still feel like I can't scratch the surface of anxiety yeah. because it's yeah. so complex but it is like and, and there's there's always things that you can learn about mm-hmm. it but um but yeah it is liberating to like use it for performance purposes if Definitely. you can harness it yeah harness the beast so. yeah 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 I mean there's different types of anxiety too right I like to split it up into cognitive anxiety and physical anxiety mm-hmm. and so there's lots of these physical anxiety symptoms um let me know if you do agree or disagree so like let me so there's those physical anxiety symptoms for example when you wake up with anxiety you don't even know why like you're just awake and there's you know you're sweating or there's you have all those butterflies in your stomach um there's also you know random kind of waves of anxiety that you might get throughout the day that you don't necessarily link to a thought or spiraling from a thinking pattern or there's just random panic attacks that people get Um, and so that I like to put in the domain of physical where there's not necessarily a connection to uh, where it comes from it's just the feelings uh, and those feelings kind of eventuate into a lot of physical sensations then there's also the cognitive anxiety where um, it starts normally it starts with a situation starts with an event um that happens you might have an argument with your partner or your friend or something like that Mm. and then that leads into into uh a a negative thought you might it might be conscious it might be unconscious something that you're saying to yourself so like oh um you know i'm a i'm a shit person because blah for example and then that leads into those into so uh so many other negative thing uh, negative thoughts it leads into this kind of spiral of negative thinking right. and you also get uh those physical sensations ultimately as a result of those thoughts yeah Does that, yeah do you know that, what i mean yeah i absolutely agree with that and yeah 100 like when you talk about panic as being like very physiological yeah like your body misinterpreting like physiological cues as like i'm dying I'm, yeah. I'm going crazy. I'm going, blah, blah, blah. and then and then there's that spiral anxiety, like you yeah, about, like, yeah. where when now you're doing a lot of what if thinking. Yeah. What if this happens and then this happens and then this happens? Blah, 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 catastrophizing. Blah, catastrophizing. I think actually when you talk about that spiral, um, now we're like reinforcing. So you might I don't know something might make you anxious and it's like, well I should have done this and I should. So now we like should yes. have done yeah. this 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 should. and then therefore. Therefore, I am a bad person. I think it like leads into this like shame spiral. It does. It does. And like shame is like it's totally. That's a really interesting emotion as well. Oh, like, shame, whoa. guilt, and shame yeah. are very difficult emotions to work with. I think. Yeah. Um. It, it it does come from a thought. It does typically come from a really deep rooted thought, a deep yeah. belief that you've developed over yeah. time, which is why we kind of 
call it a spiral or like a downward arrow because it starts with an initial thought of I should have done the dishes earlier and then it, it, it ends with a thought of I'm a failure, I'm inadequate right. because blah you've, blah blah. You've gone from here to, to yes, here. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's like yeah. a funnel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and once those deeper beliefs are activated, yep. that's when we're on. That's when the rest of those symptoms Ooh, come about. That's yeah. when... That's when it gets bad, right? That's when it gets bad. And you know what's crazy is that a lot of the time we're pretty unaware of when that like is happening. Like, Absolutely, you're not, because your amygdala is so overactive. It's like it's like saying it's showing you all this evidence. See, like see, you're a terrible person. See, told you that would happen. Like it's really, really, really nasty. Yeah. And it leads to and like shame is such a big thing for humans because oh, yeah. we like need to believe that we like that we are good and doing the best we mm -hmm. can. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I don't know what it does to the self, but it yeah. shatters the self when it you are does. feeling shame. Yep. Like, and it's almost to the point where like, you can be in denial about experiencing shame. It's like, no, it's not shame. I'm just mad at myself for doing this. It's like, no, but like, what's like really like going mm -hmm. on under the surface mm -hmm. is like this, um, this inner belief that like you're a bad person or something like that. So did you know, while we're on the topic of talking about like, your amygdala uh, kind of being helpful for you in evolution. Yeah, yeah. So apparently free solo rock climbers, so you know there's like rock climbers that um, just kind of climb without any harness or anything yeah. like that. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Alex uh, something. Anyways, he's like the most famous free solo rock climber, right? So this most famous free solo rock climber got uh, like a bunch of psychologists like did fMRI brain scans on him and they found out that he's got like a really like low uh, or dampened amygdala response. So wow. the whole reason that he is like such an amazing free solo rock climber that he hasn't kind of died yet, right. fallen off a rock is because he doesn't really feel emotion and just panic yeah and there's this wow. there's this documentary on netflix called free solo and it's um it like you watch this guy and he's he's incredible yeah he's, he's incredible but even like the way that he talks is so it, it's like in a really like unemotional way like under aroused under aroused exactly Whoa. by everything and i mean like he's he's definitely taken advantage of that though right like he's yeah. yeah but but there you go like that's just an example of how you know <laughs> how an amygdala is is responsible for pretty much like a guy being incredible at uh, like a, a, a something really risky that is very risky where you, where you have to maintain composure yeah. otherwise yeah you could Die. You could die. So you need your full higher order brain online to yeah. make the best decision. The ability to look down Ooh. and see. Which is really unnatural for it's a human being. It's scary. It's terrifying. I mean, that's that should be... That should freak you out. That should... <laughs> <laughs> you should be yeah. scared. I've heard before, and now I might... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe this as best as I can. There are people in my lab a lot. Uh, a lot more well-versed in this area and uh, and my supervisor actually would be a lot more well-versed in this area um, but so our amygdala fires off when something enters like our threat what we call like our threat space so yeah. if something's coming towards you you know you're like ready to, to go right that's a threat like if something's you know coming high speed at you yeah right you something's gonna yeah absolutely your so we like when we talk about like humans 
uh, like adaptive mechanisms. Mm -hmm. uh, people have, or all animals, I think, have uh, what's called peripersonal space, which describe, which isn't personal space necessarily. It's like the space around you where you um, can act. It's your action space. So it's like, like your safe space, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a safe space where like you can interact with the immediate environment. So it's a tool space. Yeah. So tools that are in your environment. Um, you can like things that are near you like this cup that's in my like uh my peripersonal yeah, space yeah. i can grab it um so like for your full listeners you can think of it if i'm am i getting this correct you can think of a peripersonal space as if you drew like a, a circle yeah. and then put a dot in the middle you and are then, the dot yeah you're yeah. the dot yep and it's like a, it's like literally a perimeter around you yeah and it's very measurable too. Like it's absolutely like quite precisely measurable with like certain cognitive tasks um, and like line bisection tasks. I won't get into that, but it's, it's a literal space mm -hmm. and it can be extended with tool use. So yep. if I give you a big stick um, <laughs> and you wave it around, yep. you, you, now your peripersonal space is bigger because you have more action space. Now you yeah. can interact with a bit more environment that's outside of your physical reach, but now you're holding a tool that can extend you further. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So super, super so, cool. So like it, if you're like holding a tool, if you're holding a stick or whatever, you're kind of like more confident, right? Right. You can be more confident because now you can interact with a little bit more space. So but that extends your peripersonal space. Your peripersonal space is not only a tool use um, space, but it's a, uh, a threat space. So if someone enters into it, um, that can be perceived as like a threat. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, of course. And people uh, in the literature, like this is what researchers sort of found, people with anxiety, um, claustrophobia, and also violent offenders. Yeah. Um, so what overlaps those three groups um, is hyperactive, like amygdala, um, threat responses, right? Mm -hmm. And so perceiving a um, immediate threat very quickly. And so I, I guess... Yet yeah, people with anxiety tend to have like a larger peripersonal space. Yeah. They're perceiving threat a little bit more, like they're a bit hypersensitive yeah. to perceiving threats, right? So yeah, like, yeah. Um, I guess I've, and this is anecdotal experience, but this is what I, I believe it comes from. So like, I don't know how to drive. Um, I'm very, well, I, no, that's not true. I do. I can't drive legally. I haven't passed yeah. the test. Driving makes me very, very, very anxious. Mm -hmm. And I have this big problem and it's just, I need to get over it and, and practice it to unlearn this threat. But I had a real problem with perceiving other cars as being way closer to me than they actually were. And I felt yeah. like I was just going to hit everything. Yeah. Because when you think about it, getting into a car is like a perfect extension of peripersonal space. Yeah. You like go from being a body to like embodying the car. Mm -hmm. And like you need to be good at gauging like where the front of the car is, where the back of the car is and, and what, what perimeters you can move in without hitting something. Yeah. And so like, uh, if you're someone who's got a lot of anxiety and you perceive threats that are far away to, from you to being closer than they actually are and you're just hypersensitive to that, you can imagine that driving would be quite distressful because you're like, I'm going to hit something, I'm going to yeah. hit something. You're, like, you're freaking out and then yeah, anxiety yeah. isn't very good. Like when, when you're driving, you need to yeah. be in that calm state, right? You need to have that higher order thinking on, you need to make decisions because it is dangerous to be driving a car if you're not in like a calm mental space um as you can imagine so like that's why it's been really difficult for me anyway but yeah so the people with anxiety have these um supposedly these larger peripersonal space 
perimeters yeah. and perceive threats way more quickly than than someone without that, anxiety. That makes that makes so much sense too because like I can think of anecdotally with my with my baby, right? Like he's just at the stage where he's like learning to walk and what they say is uh, to make them feel more confident, you can give them something to hold. So like Damn. give them give yeah. them a, a toy to hold or something like that. That encourages balance, but it also encourages confidence. Yeah. That is so interesting. And when you think about it, remember like like uh like the little mermaid or something. The the big king is holding a triton. He's holding yeah, a tool. He's got a, he's got a thing. He's got yeah. a thing. <laughs> they're all like the pharaohs. They're they so all cute. held. Things. They had a stick. They had a thing. They oh had a thing. wow! And when they um when they're like alluring all the sheep in, they have shepherds have a shepherds star. Have, yep. And humans, for all of human existence, have had a thing to hold. Wow. <laughs> What's our thing now? I guess like phones. Phones? Water bottles. Uh, for me, it's a water bottle. <laughs> it's a coffee cup. A I pick up a handbag. If you know me in real life, <laughs> if you just know me, I'm always holding a coffee cup. We need a, a little phone. We need a stick. A water bottle. <laughs> That's my version of a stick. I think yes, so. Knowing so that research now, I, I think that that's why I do it. It's because it's somehow, it makes it's me confident. feel more confident. Feel, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go. There's that some of the things so that kind of impacts our anxiety. So, yeah. so, so far, I guess we've spoken about like a lot about performance anxiety, um, a lot about just kind of general anxiety that we may experience day to day. We've given kind of like a breakdown of anxiety on more of a on more of like a like a biological level um but what are some of the strategies that you actually use that you found to be helpful to manage anxiety uh okay so for me and i know it sounds so cliche and like everyone's gonna hate this and you know what i hate it too it's devastating <laughs> but looking after yourself does work <laughs> does work so, i hate it yeah. It's like, just like eat healthy and go to sleep. Um, yeah, that, that sucks that it's true, but it is. Yeah. And I think, um, so this was always something I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but I eat fine. And like, I actually wasn't eating super great. I was having a lot of like takeout and like, um, and a lot of ref like refined sugars and not drinking enough water and like that stuff when it creeps in, it like adds to the extra stress and takes away your capacity to like deal with things so if it, it, mm. I guess like with or the way I think about anxiety is like I need a good foundation yeah to be able to do like stressful everyday work um and so if I, I if I need to be well fed well watered like I need fuel in the tank it's like a car yeah you know, a car's not gonna run if you feel, feed it the wrong petrol right like absolutely and, so. and that's evidence-based sorry for interrupting no that's that's completely evidence-based yeah well. because yeah. when you eat crap it, it's just a known fact when you eat absolutely. crap when you eat a lot of sugar your brain's not gonna work to its optimal totally. capacity I also take some pride and like um it helps me feel like I have a bit more control when I do things like meal prep properly mm. when I keep when I have a little bit of a routine around my own health it doesn't yeah. have to you don't have, I don't have to go crazy but I just need to make sure like that I've eaten reasonably well and like 
you know, minimize the takeout, minimize the sugar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. minimize the caffeine, you know, like, and, um, and drink enough water. It's like yeah. kind of basic sort of stuff. It is. And it allows me to at least feel like, okay, cool. I've built the foundation for like dealing with stress. Well, same with exercise. Like I need to do at least a little bit of exercise. And again, nothing crazy. I'm not a high yeah. intense exercise person, but like going for a walk, like, you know, mm-hmm. 30 minute walk, mm-hmm. 20 minute walk. If you've, you know, if you've only got the time for a 15 minute walk, fine. But like, that makes you feel so much better. Can I just hate, can I just say like, I hate how simple that. I know, me too. That is. I hate it. Because (laughs) I, I literally like you, you go on a Google rampage, you go on a YouTube rampage, you listen to all these podcasts and read all these books about anxiety. And like, yes, there are certain techniques that you can do that Mm. we'll talk about shortly Mm. that you can do to manage that anxiety. But ultimately it is the basic stuff and the basic stuff sucks because it's so challenging. It is so challenging yeah. every day, a busy person's life Absolutely. to eat healthy, to meal yeah. prep, to exercise. Or whenever someone tells me like, have you drunk enough water today? Have you like eaten well? Like, or whatever. That, it's almost like a condescension. Cause it's like, well, it almost feels like it's like, obvi- it feels very obvious, but so many of us just don't do it. I, I don't do it. And again, it can be as boring as well. Yeah. to like, cook having to cook and prepare that for yourself every night it's like especially when you're busy you're just like oh screw it i'll go get takeout like yeah um but then you're like you know while you might want to not spend the time on that now you're going to pay for it later with something else so Mm -hmm. if you do just start eating takeout a lot then you're going to pay for it in terms of like your productivity and maybe have more anxiety than you normally would yeah remember that whole thing remember (laughs) that whole thing if you guys don't know what halt is it's like when you're experiencing anxiety throughout the day, uh, it's what? Are you hungry? Are you angry? angry lonely. lonely or tired? Yeah, halt. Yeah. Yeah. And hungry, that's one of the angry, reasons that they're like anytime that I personally have anxiety um, and check, I go through halt. that checklist. Yeah. Yeah. It's always one of those things. Absolutely. That's what, like, I'm always way more emotional, like in the evening too. So like, yeah. you know, that's another thing as well. Like I love to just have like, if I can, like prepping my my dinner in advance, like having something I can reheat for dinner is like yeah. big for me just because it's like, I'm going to be more likely to be like emotional and unstable in the <laughs> evening. Yeah. So if I can make that process easy for myself and mm-hmm. less stressful, then that's taking, taking stuff off my plate. I mean, I, I hate, again, I hate that that's like my best tip for like anxiety is just like, look after yourself but it's true and it does really help and Um, and also like on that i think uh pinpointing when you do have your peak of anxiety and for most people like from what i've seen and heard it is at the end of the day or early in the morning when they wake up so understanding when you're having those physiological symptoms of anxiety or that negative spiral and trying to fit something in during those parts of the day to mitigate the impact that that has on you. So for example, when you come home, if you're feeling anxious when you're home, make sure you schedule a yoga session or make sure you schedule Mm. going to the gym or going for a run when you anticipate that peak of anxiety to happen. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Same as like people in the morning, like a lot of, a lot of people do exercise in the morning because fuck they wake up anxious and yep. they they're thinking about all the all the things that they have to do during the day um and so if they have that time to themselves to uh exercise to get back into their body to do their breathing um then that helps them 
Yeah. That helps them throughout the day and it mitigates the amount of anxiety that they have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's a stop technique that we use uh, that I personally find really helpful if I'm experiencing like a big wave of emotion or a big wave of anxiety oh. and the S stands for stop. So like that, like say like you're driving a car, pull up, pull up in a parking lot, uh, for example, uh, take a breath. Yep. So like get, try and get back into your body as much as possible. Ground yourself. Yep. Um, do some, do some, uh, diaphragmatic breathing or like have a, have an app on hand, for example, yeah. to, uh, that you can click on and that guides you to breathe. Yeah. Our Apple watches, like if you've got an Apple watch, I know that they do that as well. And that helps, um, observe, mm -hmm. observe. So in that, uh, observe phase, you can, um, either do that, like observe the environment and ground yourself or you can also reflect back on the situation um, and go through the checklist. For example, go through that whole checklist. Are you hungry, yeah. hungry, lonely, tired? What's causing you that anxiety? And after you've observed, after you've taken those steps to calm yourself down, mm -hmm. proceed and, and proceed with awareness that you're feeling this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, acknowledgement of the emotions and, like, you don't have, you aren't your emotions. Like, they're just something you experience. Externalizing is so important like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like, what, you know, and then like using it as data collection, like, ooh, okay, what's happening to me right now? I'm very yeah. distressed. Like that just, like, that's a really good one. That's because that's very like distress tolerance. Like it's very in the moment, you know, when we talk about like, you know, looking after yourself and like doing all those things. So that's more like in preparation. That's like setting the stage. That's setting the stage. That's what, and you've got to do that when you're like in a reasonable-ish mindset, right? Yeah. If you're in the middle of a panic attack, like, <laughs> like you're better You can't meal prep in the middle of a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. So it's more that like, what can I do in the moment? Mm -hmm. And that's that mm -hmm. like, yeah, just like stopping breathing, trying to like get back yeah. into your body. Yeah. Um, I also like um, I also like using that technique of counting backwards. So trying to sync your amygdala to your uh, I guess like higher order thinking brain. So um, name um, name uh, ten names for a girl starting with C. Right. Count backwards. It at two point intervals. Oh, because like it's your like that, frontal lobe that activates on. that higher order thinking part of your brain right. to reduce. And um, like if that's on, then the amygdala has to shut up. Exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to get your amygdala to shut up. That's a good one. The other, the other one actually that's really good for in the moment distress tolerance. If it's if it's accessible to you, um, ice packs on oh, the back of the neck. Yes. Anything, again, like you said, grounding. Like yes. actually, I. Um, I've experienced like intense anxiety before and sometimes I've actually gone outside to get the fresh air and then like sat on the grass like it's yeah. a very but like get like literally get earthed get down on the ground and um yeah it does help to like like what can I what what's in my immediate environment like yeah um and yeah if you, you do have it a cold ice pack or something like that is very um that like coldness has to slow down your nervous system. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. It like activates your parasympathetic nervous system. Yes. Brings you back down and you like literally like that's a physiological thing too. It so is. you can chuck an ice pack and it will calm you down. Um, yeah. And same with that, that, um, what did you call it? Diaphragmatic. Diaphragmatic breathing. breathing. 
it has to slow you down. It will. It just like that's what there, won't happen instantly, but it will work. There's research saying that uh, yeah, it basically helps to activate that kind of frontal part of your brain, and what it does is get more oxygen into your brain yeah okay. um and that's the same thing as those ice packs and cold water therapy in general and doing it in the moment um so if if you're gonna uh you can you can ground yourself by putting like an ice pack on the back of your head or getting a bowl full of ice uh and yeah. water and when you're putting your face into a bowl of cold water or ice water it activates uh, this response that makes you kind of first breathe slower, like kind of hold yeah. your breath, slow your body down, and in turn help you get back into your body, help that amygdala to calm down, and uh, yeah, for your heart or the brain to kind of get things moving. Wow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. So bowl full of cold water and ice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good one. And it's it's no wonder even or like I, this is a bit extreme again. It's probably not for everyone. I don't. I have access to this, but like going for a like um, people go for those ice baths. And yeah, like that. that's very. If you that's have very a cold extreme. shower. Like that's cold a, shower. That's a home equivalent. There you go. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Having a cold shower just to like. Like re reactivate, like yep. calm down that yep. um parasympathetic Jump into a pool state. if you've got a pool. If you've got a pool, like that's it. So um like some good grounding techniques is useful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that in the moment stuff. You can meditate. Meditating helps for meditation. Yeah. I love a yin yoga class. So I started doing yoga mm-hmm. and yin and like but like that yin yoga or like slow deep stretching mm-hmm. was awesome for yeah, me. Yeah. Like um because you are now forced into like you're there and there's this expectation that like obviously like once you start the yoga class, I mean you could get up and leave if you wanted to, but like it kind of tells you no, you're here for this hour mm-hmm. and it's peaceful and then it's guided obviously there's a there's a teacher there. But yin yoga is like only doing a couple of different poses and holding them for maybe like ten minutes each. Mm-hmm. And you're you can't check your phone. You can't do anything. Like you can't. You're just gonna sit there in that pose and breathe and in pain <laughs> and breathe. And it like forces you. I guess it's like putting your body into a calm state, and then your mind sort of has to follow. Yeah, that has been like that's a real game changer for me. Is like you're sinking. You're also sinking your body and your mind through the breath. It's very yeah, important. yeah, definitely. So like I love yin yoga, and again like when you say yoga, and when people told me about yoga, like um, you think of like it being because there is like more fast-paced yoga, which is a bit more of a yeah, like vinyasa yoga. Yeah, which is which is great and fantastic, more for like exercise and stuff. But if you are doing yoga for like mental health, I think the the a really good one is Yin yoga because mm-hmm. that is like mentally challenging. Mm-hmm. It's not a physically challenging one, mm-hmm. but it is like mentally because you gotta you gotta sit still, you gotta sit in that position for a while and like be yeah with your breath and be in your body and, and i think yoga is one of those things that's really misinterpreted as like a pseudoscience it, but mm. um like i it does work there's totally. there is specific yoga for anxiety there's specific yoga for ptsd if you're interested in that kind of yeah. stuff um there is a lot of kind of I guess research that is emerging slowly that's saying that yeah that mind-body connection is so important and in instances for example I can speak to like trauma right like the, the body keeps the score so you need to not only work on the cognitive stuff 
when it comes to like either anxiety or the trauma you also need to work on your body and understand what you can learn from your body what your body is teaching you and healing the body i guess through the mind through yoga right, right? yeah when you say like the body keeps the score do you mean like is that when we talk about like like literal tension in your body? Like literal, there is li like literal tension in your body. In my personal life, I can speak to it from uh, getting an epidural in my spine. Right. Um, for like to give birth, I any time that someone uh, talks about your spine or talk like right now, for example, I can feel tension in the exact area where that epidural oh, was put in. Because your can, body remembers. Yeah, yeah. and my, t my spine, like even right now, my spine like tingles up okay. at the thought of that. Wow. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. cool. So yeah, yoga is, again, very helpful for getting like, helping heal that tension in your body. Yes. From yeah. when your body has got a learned response. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Only other thing I think is like, and again, this is maybe more behavioral, less cognitive, but um, I think routine, and this maybe like ties into what I was first saying before, but like um, not just taking care of yourself, but like trying to have routine yes. with things. And, um, you know, I feel like, I guess, if I can appease my amygdala a little bit by giving it sort of some control mm -hmm. and, and like, or that's, well, having some sort of structure in my life to be like look how safe everything is mm -hmm. we're doing things mm -hmm. very normally like brains like what's predictable brains yes. don't really like unknowns mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. especially people with anxiety don't really like unknowns because that's how what ifs happen yeah. yeah right so like i think i like to give myself a little bit of predictability in that i'm going to like take my supplements at this particular time or like i'm going to close absolutely like, we've we talked about in the last like podcast is like closing down the kitchen it's like i know i'm going to do that every night like i'm going to clean up i'm going to like have these things ready i'll put out my coffee cup for the next morning like that's like very ritualistic it's yeah. not it's not about literally getting ready for the morning it's not so much about the self-care it's more about the yeah. ritual yeah and I find like rituals kind of help me a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. because predictability and control uh, can be a really calming thing in essence. Like with children, um, one of the kind of principles of Montessori learning is uh, first teaching your kids to clean up, but also making sure that your kids have a predictable space every single day, meaning that if they're like they can't play properly if their toys aren't set out because there is an a, there is a degree of chaos to that right that yeah. they kind of have to compensate for and fix in other ways before they can play and explore yes yeah 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 like minimizing some chaos minimizing chaos exactly right but the you can't likes that. you can't have control over like literally everything Ever like, and, and then try, and trying to control everything in your life is just not possible and not recommended because like we just can't control. We can't it. do it. And um, but having a bit of control over maybe like your your morning routine or your evening routine, um, or like going to like your favorite coffee shop for like a coffee, like just yeah, and and doing or going for your morning run or like whatever. It's um, especially when they're healthy, like routines as well. Like they're not only good for you in terms of the action, but that predictability is very like soothing and helps you feel like, okay, now I'm ready to start the day. Now I'm ready to tackle on the unpredictable because yes. I've done something predictable. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's how or, or that you've kind of set for me. It's more of like, I have set the stage to have a good day. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, and also helps you like stay like uh, increasing gratitude as well. I love to like oh gratitude's good because now yeah. that I now that I think about it, like if I have my like I love waking up in the morning, making a coffee, and like sitting on my balcony, right, and and just like hearing the birds and stuff like that. And it's yeah, like, the little things, tiny little things, and that makes me really happy because I think then when I'm doing that, I think about I'm so lucky to be able to afford to live alone. I'm so lucky to like have this little, like, little peace and quiet in the morning and do it because I want to do it. And this is like really nice thing that I do for myself. But also like things like for me, like listening to birds or like mm. looking at a tree and appreciating a tree, right? Yeah. It's like, to me kind of signifies how small our life is and how like meaning like that, that we are meaningless to me. That's a liberating thought because just do what you want. Totally. Just do what you want. Cause no one cares. Everything's fine. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of really grounding in a way to know that we're just a tiny little blob in the universe. You're just That's a little, it. you're just a little ant. So everything's fine. Like you yeah. can, you can fail. It doesn't matter. You can, you can just you do what you to, want. Well, do what it. you want. You only have a certain amount of time in your life. You may as well spend so it the way well you spend want it. to spend it. Yeah. Instead of getting so caught up. I think a lot of anxiety as well as too is like caught getting up caught up in other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what other people, what the world wants you to do. And like having little small moments like that where you're like pondering or like reflecting on like looking at a nice sunset or like yeah. looking at something beautiful and being like, wow, like that's beautiful. No one can rob that from you. Like, I don't know. Absolutely. And so that is, that is one way, like increasing gratitude and being like, wow, that was really nice that I can like have this moment to myself. No one can take it from me. Like that make, that increases wellness and happiness. Right. And I think when you are able to increase wellness overall with things like gratitude, you now have more of your brain like thinking about positive things yeah, rather, and yeah. like less time on the negative things that's just sort of I guess I guess it, it just ultimately kind of calms that beast of anxiety yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. um yeah but yeah I mean that's I guess that they're, they're my they're my favorite techniques for anxiety but I feel like I'm constantly learning about anxiety anyway and yeah and it is a really long journey um, yeah and it's constantly managing it, it's like, it's a constant journey yeah you don't ever graduate i think like, <laughs> i think i don't know i don't know if this is true or not but i think like for a lot of people um what i've heard at least is that accepting that anxiety is a lifelong process and that you're just gonna have to manage it um mm. can be liberating because you're accepting that anxiety full stop it as can, a part of your life. Totally. And when you get over like the, obviously anxiety can be incredibly debilitating and, and it's falls on a bit of a spectrum. So people who are really, really intensely suffering will not be able to see the good side of anxiety for a while. But once you do achieve a little bit of like, you start to manage it even a little bit, like the, in, like the intense joy you can get in a, in a sense of achievement and being like, yes, like it can make you feel so much better. And like, again, like you said, harnessing your anxiety to the point where you can use it to propel you forward and you can almost be grateful for the anxiety yeah, yeah. or grateful for your brain because like I used to like hate my brain be like why does my brain do this to me but now I like love my brain and I'm like no it's it's okay I have a lot more appreciation for it because I feel like I can work with it a lot better so absolutely yeah all right I'm happy with that do you want to wrap up here <sighs> I think we should yeah 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 all right you guys thank you so much for uh listening to this podcast if you like this podcast then uh like this episode subscribe and uh 
post some comments down below on more of the content that you would like to see. Obviously we're just starting so we'd love to uh, hear your suggestions and uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye!